Hey universe, welcome back to Power and Grace Radio. This is JJ. This episode, I get to bring you my conversation with Chelsea Hughes. Chelsea is a games athlete. She's done the team thing. She's done the individual thing. She's also about one of the hardest working people that I've ever met. Um, She's in the corporate world, working long hours in New York, uh, but also finding time in the gym. Very interesting conversation. Enjoy. Chelsea, how's it going? It's great. How are you? I am good. Uh, how is your week going so far? Um, pretty good. Uh, normal. Nothing. Nothing out of the blue or, or out of the ordinary, rather. So just a normal work week, training week, um, just doing normal life. Awesome. Um, so I think you have a really interesting story. Uh, so I want you to kind of tell us uh, to begin with. You know your start into CrossFit and and that path. Yeah, you mean my story as, uh, from an athletic perspective, kind of my journey in CrossFit. Sure. Yeah, like you know how you came across it, what what got you interested in the sport and, and the training, and then go from there. Sure, I came into CrossFit a little later in life, certainly later than what we see in the sport right now. I w- I was twenty five, um, so my life was kind of already started. Uh, that's, I think that's a good thing and a bad thing, but, um, I'd been a multi-sport athlete growing up, uh, in college, I played a little bit of soccer and I was a competitive cheerleader at TCU. So uh, down in Fort Worth, Texas, um, and then I was just working a normal job and, um, I would run in the morning and I would, I kind of would go to the gym, like a global gym at night. Um, I had a personal trainer who taught me how to lift weights, but it was all dumbbells and free weights. So I did that for a few years Um, and then I went to graduate school and I was getting a little tired of running. Um, I, in my second week up in, I was at the university of Oregon for graduate school and I was studying sports business. So I was in a program with a lot of other athletes or ex-athletes. I'm just given the nature of the program and I was trying to make some friends and I was on an intramural soccer team and, uh, the guys on the team were like, Hey, you're, you're pretty athletic, you know? And I was like, Oh, thanks. Yeah. (laughs) Love that compliment. Um, they said, I think that you would really like this, this workout that we do. And I didn't know what they were talking about. And I was like, no, no, I'm good. I'm training for this marathon. So I ran the Portland marathon. Um, I qualified for Boston, realized I had no desire to really like go do that. And so I thought maybe I should explore some other fitness opportunities. So I took these guys up on their offer and we went to a CrossFit gym. I didn't know it was a CrossFit gym at the time. Um, and we did Helen and it's funny. I walked in, um, again with a bunch of guys and they, uh, didn't just me being the only girl, they didn't even ask me if I could do a pull up. So they just straight away gave me a band. Um, and I'd been a runner and, and like I said, a soccer player. So the run portion was no problem to me. Someone showed me the kettlebell swing. I'm like, okay, cool. Do this. You don't put it down. You don't really think twice about it. And I just dusted the guys, you know, like I had this kind of scaled version of Helen, but I thought anything you can do and you get to like play with the guys and beat them. I'm kind of about this. So that's how I got started. Um, but I really didn't dive into it right away. Um, like I said, I was in graduate school. So, um, I thought that the, the tuition, not the tuition, the, um, the, the, the fee for the CrossFit gym was a little too steep for me. Um, so I just worked out in the university rec center for a while and looked up things on YouTube. I taught myself how to do a butterfly pull up and 
what a thruster was. And there were some Olympic lifting platforms and, um, there was a bunch of like 19 year old dudes that would lift and I would ask them questions and get tips and tricks from them. And it wasn't until uh, the summer between years one and two of the program that I took an internship down in Los Angeles and I thought maybe, well, you know, like I need to do something to enjoy myself here in the summer. Um, and I was kind of wanting to dive in deeper into CrossFit. So I Googled CrossFit in Los Angeles and came across Brick, um, which is where I've trained since then. Um, and so I had three months of just, I just tried to soak up as much as I could. And there was a girl who was on the team at Brick at the time who got hurt and they had a bunch of summer competitions lined up. So they asked me to slide in. Now, like I was not prepared for that. I think the first competition we went to was at the Rose Bowl. And I remember Becca Voigt being there. And the, like you look back and you realize that they were they were big time. But I was pretty new to all of it and didn't quite understand. Um, but needless to say, I got hooked. Um, and then after after graduating, I chose to move uh, back down to Los Angeles and started working for Brick full time, um, which is given an opportunity to train and um then the rest is kind of history how fit was rebecca void at the rose bowl <laughs> she's you know she's always been a legend yeah. and she was great. i have a picture of us running there was an event where we ran up and down the stairs with a sandbag or down the field or something anyway i have a picture of her myself and jackie perez and maddie curly <sighs> um, running uh, with a sandbag on our on our shoulders across the Rose Bowl. It's not even turf, the grass. Right. Um, but she was impressive. And it just like, you know, that was back in the days of the Valley girls. You had Chris clever and oh, yeah. Katie and it was, it was epic. And so I got a deep dive real soon into what it meant to be a female CrossFitter in, in Southern California. Yeah. That's awesome that you get to, you just happened to fall into that stance and then, you know, be right there in, I guess now we can consider it OG, right? Like, right. That was the back day. Like the 22 year old in the CrossFit gym now doesn't have any idea what we're talking about with the Valley girls, right? Like, yeah, it was great. Um, so that's an awesome start. So then, um, when would you, what would you say? You said, you you know, you kind of fell in love with it, but when were you really like, okay, you know, this is going to be a major part of my life. Like this is going to be something that, you know, I'm really going to focus on. Yeah. Um, I think I fell in love with it right away. I had no aspirations of being a competitor per se. Like I, like I said, I started in graduate school. So I had these visions and these plans to finish graduate school, go into the corporate world again. Um, that was going to be some sort of brand management path in probably sports marketing. Um, something like that. So I, I never thought that this would be, um, I didn't even know that it, it could be a full-time thing or I'd never really heard of in, uh, of careers in the fitness industry, even other than people who were like personal trainers at a globo gym. So just the whole idea of it wasn't something that would have occurred to me. Um, so I would say probably 
I mean, I really got into training that second year of graduate school. So after that summer in Los Angeles, I went back to Oregon and I was just, I was just addicted to it. I, I didn't know how much I should or shouldn't be training, but I just wanted to get better. And I think that's how most people probably start. Um, but because I was in the phase of life that I was in, meaning, you know, you go to school for four or five hours, you get an opportunity to, you get a break in the day and you can go train. Um, and then I would have group projects or whatever at night. I just had these huge blocks and windows of time where I could dedicate myself to, to training a lot. I was also still running a lot back then too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I think it took me probably two years to cut back my, my mileage. I was still running like five to seven miles in the morning before I'd go to school and, uh, and running, you know, like some sort of long run. It went from being like a 15 miler to like a 10 miler on the weekends, but I still had that uh, and me as well. So I, I would say probably after I graduated, I went back down to Los Angeles and I, you know, I went back down there with the idea that I was just going to get a full-time job. Um, but there was just this itch that I couldn't scratch. And, um, I was training at brick again, at, again, like looking for work and, before you know it, I just kind of fell into all these opportunities, um, that were, that were tied to this passion. So it was probably within a couple months of graduating, I had this awesome opportunity. The founder of brick, um, at the time brick was just one location in Los Angeles and the founder wanted to expand. And given my recent degree in sports business, I, um, offered to help a little bit and we teamed up and, um, our skill sets are very different, but very compatible. Um, he's the big, why visionary type guy. And I'm sort of the, the how and yes. computer. Um, and of course I can deal in spreadsheets and he wants no part of that. So, um, long story short, I ended up, uh, going on board with brick full time and helping the company expand from Los Angeles to New York and then ultimately Chicago and Boston and so on and so forth. We went, we opened a couple locations in Spain and I got to help um, with that. So a really great journey. Um, but that also was a unique opportunity because it just enabled me to train a lot and really dive into not just CrossFit, but the fitness industry as a whole. Yeah. You have a super unique perspective on that. Um, you know, not a lot of times people get to see like that very competitive side and what all that entails, but then also see, you know, what it takes to run these CrossFit gyms. Um, I think that's a, that's an awesome, unique perspective. I definitely want to hit both of those. Let's go, let's go to competitive side first. Um, so, so give us a little rundown on your, your competitive journey, um, and, and what that's been like, um, you know, over the last few years. Yeah. So when I started, um, at brick, when I went, when I moved down to Los Angeles full time, I was on a team that was when teams were three girls, three guys. And my two teammates were perfect for molding me into the athlete that I needed to become. So Maddie Curley, if you guys remember her from, she was on the update show and she is truly an OG. Um, she helped start brick. She just is, and she was a collegiate gymnast. So she's phenomenal at anything, body weight and gymnastics. And so on that portion, all of those skills I learned and, and just aspired to be as good or better than her. And then my other teammate, Amanda Douglas, uh, is just strong. And she's she's Texas strong. That's what I like to say. Yeah, she's, we like that. Um, and so I had I was sort of that generalist or that middle ground, like kind of all around athlete. But I had these two girls on either side of me who um, helped, like I said, mold me into these areas that I needed to get a little bit better at. So I wanted to be as strong as Amanda and I wanted to be as skilled as Maddie. And really I, 
busted my butt to make that happen. And before we know, before I knew it, I was pretty well rounded and I thought that I wanted to take a stab at, um, the individual side of the sport. And whenever I, after a couple years of, of being in LA brick, decided to open a second location in New York and um, we were going to do some more on the East coast. So it just made sense for us to have someone in leadership on the East coast. So, um, I was asked to take that role and I came to New York city, which I live is where I live now. Um, and that transition, which was in 2015, um, made it a pretty easy decision and, and my development in the sport to go from team to individual. Um, and then once all that pressure is on you as an individual, you, you just have to step up, right? You step yeah, up just... or step out. And, uh, so the development there has taken a while just because there's so much more on your shoulders. Um, but I, you know, I, I kind of was a lone ranger. I just trained myself more or less, um, 2015, 16 and 17. And then in 2017, I qualified for the games as an individual and realized I need some help. So this past year I got a coach, um, but you were talking about, you were asking, I think about my, my development. And so that was sort of the journey that I took and you're welcome to dive in into any of those tangents that I went on. No, that's awesome. Um, you know, it's interesting. It, it, I think it's a, it's a great path that you took. And I think we see a lot of them now it, go from team to, to try to step into that individual, uh, to, to give that the go. Um, you know, how did it feel, you know, stepping out of that, you know, I have a team, you're training with them all the time. Uh, and now it sounds like you're at a relatively new box, uh, and you're on your own at that. Um, you know, changing that training atmosphere, was that pretty challenging? Well, I was always the teammate that wanted to do more anyway. Um, (laughs) so I did a lot of training on my own prior to that. I, I have somehow developed this nickname, uh, the wad bully and it's not as terrible as it sounds, but I'm definitely the person that will take class, finish class, and then use my most powerful and most influential tactics to get other people to join me and more work. Um, and I don't even really care if you're doing the exact same thing as me. You could be doing totally different weights, scale, whatever you want. I just want people to work out with me or be around me. So that's always kind of been in me. Um, but I can remember that even as a kid, you know, like I remember soccer practice would finish and I would convince people to do sprints with me or I'd be like, okay, you don't have to do, you don't have to do sprints, but just do a plank on the sideline and I'm going to run sprints. I don't know. It's, it's just in me. So that transition wasn't crazy tough. I'd already been doing a lot on my own and just kind of had the initiative to, to fill in the gaps and the holes and, and work on my weaknesses already. So that wasn't too terrible. Um, in fact, now almost all of my training is done that way. Cause I have, I'm now back in the corporate world and most of my training is done before and after work or all of my training is on, on the bookended sides of the day. So, uh, there's not, there aren't other competitors that have a schedule that I would match mine so that I could train with other than maybe a Saturday or Sunday when, when it's possible. So walk us through that, that normal day then. My normal day. Yeah. I have an early start. I usually get up at 4:40. I live a whole two blocks from uh, the gym or at least one of our locations here in New York city. So I start my day and I'll train 
from 5.25.30 to I push the limits. Like I, I try to I make myself get out of there around 8 o'clock, um, quickly shower, oftentimes leave my hair in a braid uh, or, or some sort of like top knot bun where that's something that's acceptable to at work but doesn't take a ton of time. Um, I work a normal, I work in marketing, but I work a normal nine to six, um, in New York city, that's more like nine to seven. Um, so that it is a struggle, I, I would say sitting still that long, um, and, and just kind of being in an office setting. But then after work, I'll usually go back to the gym and, uh, get in a couple more pieces um, and then go to bed as soon as I can. Honestly, like after I've finished the second session, when I'm on the train home for the day, I'm trying my best to wind down. I'm putting, um, some sort of no lyric music on my pot, on my phone or listening to something or just trying to relax my breathing so that as soon as I get home, I can go to sleep. Uh, cause I'm just, I just don't get enough sleep as it is, but that's sort of the normal day. Yeah. So I think... Um, I think there's a common perception out there is like, you know, no one can do this, you know, and have a full-time job or I guess maybe from the average view, right? And I think anybody, may, a lot of the people listening to this podcast may have more insight than that. But I think there's a lot of it like, well, you know, that's their full-time job. They just work out, right? I think they, they watch regionals, you know, and they see all these people doing this crazy stuff and they're like, well, yeah, but they just, you know, that's their job. And so... You know, to see for someone to hear exactly what your your entire day looks like. Um, you know, do you think that it, ha- it going forward that's going to be one way or the other? Like it has to be your job, or it's it's totally doable to make it both. Yeah, um, I don't recommend doing what I'm doing right now. <laughs> I wouldn't to anyone. I think in twenty. 15, 2015 was probably the last year that you could reasonably do what I'm doing. Um, and you know, maybe if you're a super, super gifted athlete, you can juggle a couple things. I've always excelled in athletics because I just put in more work than other people. And right now with the schedule, with the other obligations that I have, I'm not able to outwork the rest of the field just because they have made the sacrifices. So no, I don't, I really don't think it's possible to, it depends on what level you want to get to. Right. I mean, I'm talking an individual games athlete. I think you have to build a lifestyle that allows you to do all of the little things. So some of the things that are missing from my current regimen, if you will, are a sleep um, enough sleep. That is, I, I sleep enough, like all of my coworkers and colleagues, I sleep more than them for sure. So I could live a normal, live a normal life doing what I'm doing, but to excel at athletics, I need a little bit more sleep. I need a little bit more time to just play in the gym. Uh, cause I think that's important right now. I'm going in, I'm getting the, the work done, um, that is programmed for me, but I need some time to, um, just play on the things that I haven't touched or to explore. I think that element in the gym is really important in discovering your weaknesses and working on them. Um, and then all of the body work, like I just don't, that is part of the gig as well. And going and doing all that recovery. I just, if you're a normal 
if you work a normal job, you can't take multiple doctor's appointments in a week. That's, you just can't do that, right? And we, you know, I gave you my weekday schedule. I didn't tell you what my days look like on Saturday and Sunday, Friday night to Sunday night, which is really where I pack in as much as I can, right? So um, I think what would be skipped over if someone th- if someone tried to live the life that I'm, that I am right now, um, there's just a, not, a lot that you're not doing, right? You're not having a day where you can decompress. So my rest days are, okay, let's get more work done at the office, you know, versus, so you really, and you do need that. I, I would say for a long time, I thought it was totally, you, I can just juggle it all. I can do it all. Um, but you really do need some downtime. So I, I have to really find creative ways to make that happen for me so I can stay happy and continue to love all that I, that I get to do. Yeah. I think it's it's interesting on that. You clearly have like career goals, right? You have, you have big time career goals. Uh, and, and I, I love that. I totally respect that. And, but you also have this other goal and I, I like that you don't ha- you it doesn't seem to me that you perceive that they have to be mutually exclusive right like I'm going to retire because I can't train as much right it doesn't sound like you know those and we've ha- heard that there's nothing wrong with that but it seems like you're the type of person that's like no like I, I under- you have priorities and you understand where they are yeah absolutely and I I just am not I've really struggled with this and Maybe I can do all things. I've asked myself, like, well, okay, Charles, maybe you can achieve both things, but you can't achieve them both at the same time. Um, you know, maybe you have to put one in front of the other. But it's just this. These are the cards that I have been dealt. Meaning, I found the sport a little later in life, and I'm really not willing to give up one goal or the other. Um, if I waited until I'm 30, if I took a few years off and trained full time. Uh, and waited till I was 35 to try to restart my career. I, I mean, I wouldn't be able to build the financial future for myself and my family that I want to. There are other goals that I just couldn't. Um, you can look at statistics for for females that take breaks in the workforce anywhere between 25 and 35. Those um, reports or, or studies were done um, in re- regards to females who have kids, but I don't really consider this that different, right? So if you're taking a break from the workforce, your earning potential goes down by like 40%. So there's just all of these reasons that I don't want to take a career break. Um, but at the same time, I don't know that I could live with myself if I, if I walked away from my athletic potential. So when people ask me why I do this, I really can't give them an answer other than to say, I'm just really addicted to being the best version of me that I can be. And right now those are in two big pockets. Um, yeah, so I just keep doing, keep doing what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I think, I think to hear someone who has those priorities set down and just say, well, these are the things that I want. So there's one option and that's to do it. So kudos on that. So I I do want to, uh, to dive in further then. Um, I know you, you know, you mentioned, that uh, so we're we're about the same age. So the the old masters category is not far away. It it, uh, it was good news to hear it drop down a few years ago, <laughs> and uh, it's like oh that's cool. Um, is that something that's kind of on your radar, or you know before that you've got some goals to hit before you get there? What's what's the main fitness goals right now? You know I want to experience the CrossFit Games. I've been a couple times on a team. And even though I qualified in 2017, I got hurt 
the day before the actual, I mean, I got one day of competition in and then had to pull out. Mm-hmm. So I really, I don't even, someone called me a games athlete once and I don't even feel like that's true. I don't think I can call myself that cause I haven't, yeah, I am the right to be there, but I didn't, I didn't go through the week. So, um, I don't know why that experience didn't get to happen when I thought it was going to get to happen. Um, but it's my responsibility to make it happen again, if that's an experience that I really want, which, which I do. So, um, getting back to the games, uh, and actually experiencing it, I think is important to me as an individual. And, you know, I don't know that I want to be a master's athlete. I think I would rather transition to a team at that age and go back to a team. Um, I just feel like maybe I could influence and impact positively impact more people on a team than I could just by doing my own thing again in an older body. That's awesome. That's a, uh, to see that you, you still have opened that transition back to the team. What do you, what do you think of the new format on uh, going four person? That's going to change some game. I love it. And it makes it a lot easier to think about coordinating um, when I was on a team before, one of the struggles was just schedules. And then another was getting four grown adults who are all independent and have their own views to align. So when you have to do that with two less people, it just makes it a little easier. Um, and, you know, there are not as many holes that you can't hide as much uh, in a four-person format. So I, I dig it. I like it. There's not as much chaos going on uh, on the field to play. So I think it's all good. I like it. So I'm excited. Basically, what I hear is it's going to be much easier for you to bully people, four people, or three other people. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's awesome. All right, now I want to swing around uh, to the other interesting side. So myself, I'm also a gym owner. Um, And so I wanted to pick your brain on this because you have a ton of experience on that other side of, you know, kind of franchising outbreak and everything. Um, Where do you see right now kind of the, the state of CrossFit as a business? Um. You mean CrossFit, like the, the industry or CrossFit HQ? Yeah, I mean, I guess they're they're similar, right? There's there's a tie in there, but I, I think you have a unique insight on, on opening multiple locations, um, and and seeing it even internationally on and a time frame of when CrossFit was just blowing up and everybody's opening them up to now where that has dramatically cut down. And we're actually seeing you know plenty of closures, especially even in our area, which is you know being in Dallas, there's plenty of gyms around. Uh, same in New York, you know, what is your, what is your feed on, on what that looks like right now? Sure. Um, you know, I'm lucky because I've been in the major cities in the U S that I've been in, uh, which set trends a little quicker than maybe say a, a CrossFit box in middle America. Um, so there's a slight difference there. Um, but those in middle America should also pay attention, right? Cause it's eventually going to infiltrate them. So, um, I would say CrossFit right now feels to me like yoga did a decade ago where it blew up for a while and there, and then everybody started to specialize. So they had these little niche, um, or, or versions of yoga that they were, um, hosting and you kind of can see some breakoffs and split offs of, uh, versions of CrossFit that are happening even within the same facility. Uh, I think that's why, so I can talk about that a little bit more in depth. I've launched a couple programs through brick, um, that play to various audiences. So I feel like that's kind of what's happening. And then, um, and then you mentioned the closures that is just, uh, competition getting 
fiercer and, and um, better. So I think the better services and, and operations and businesses that are out there are the, the, the cream of the crop is the one that the ones that are staying and those that didn't really have any business opening in the first place that didn't, that maybe did this as a hobby or this wasn't something that they could, um, fully support full time are probably the ones closing. Um, you know, I've been, uh, back, I grew up in Texas and I've been back home and there's a, there was a small box that had, I don't know, a hundred and so members. And then one of his members decided to spin off and, and do it on his own. You hear the story all the time, right? Absolutely. And, and the new, um, the new gym, the new gym took a bunch of, uh, of the members and honestly just offered a better service. But the old member was upset and, or sorry, the old owner was upset and thought that they were stealing members. You know, those type of stories really, really bother me because what that old owner is missing is that they were, there was just some service or level of, of service that they weren't giving or weren't offering. So they didn't stay relevant enough to be able to service their membership in the best way possible. Um, and I've been, you know, I spent some time, um, I dated a guy in Ohio, so spent some time in the Midwest and heard lots of stories about boxes in that area. Um, I've done the same thing and, and a couple other places. So it's not just like Los Angeles and New York. I'm just, the point I'm trying to make is that this is across at least the U.S. Um, from a global perspective, I love what's happening. Um, I love that, that more women are getting into the sport, that it really is becoming global. Um, there's some things I'd like to see from CrossFit HQ to make that a little bit easier. Um, I think CrossFit HQ for the most part is really antiquated in the way that they operate and support, uh, the affiliate model as well as, um, their outlook and perspective on how to grow the sport, um, to, to the masses. Um, they're still, still viewing it, um, as an end all be all. And I think that there's probably a, a more open-minded uh, way of approaching things that would allow the, the sport to scale, um, without, um, without sort of this cocky, uh, presence that it currently has. Sure, um, so sure. there's a little, that's the marketer in me coming out. I think there's just a little better way to do that and to reach your audiences in an effective way. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's, that's great insight on, um, uh, what's happening. And I think I see the same thing around is that, you know, even ourselves, you know, we have kind of different levels that we've opened up at our gym. You know, we have a performance level and fitness level, but they're in the same class. They're, they're just doing, it's basically a, a, you know, modifications based on what they actually want. You know, it's not, not even necessarily what they can do. There's people who can snatch that don't want to snatch, but there's other things they can do to definitely get fit inside of our gym. So why not give that to them? And they're going to probably stay a member instead of leaving and going to Orange Theory. Sure. And you know, one of the things that's given me a really great perspective is going back into the corporate world. So now the majority of my waking hours are spent with broken Americans who all have low back problems, who I get to see and I have a much better um, now being on this side of it, because I was in that world before, right? But then I was introduced to CrossFit, and now I'm in that world again. Um, and I can just see and have a better understanding and, and more compassion for why they're making the choices that they're making, right? When and maybe it's just because I'm in New York City, but you know, you see all these people that um, they're going out to happy hours several nights a week, or the, or client dinners, um, or they're they've had a long day and they're stressed and they're not making good nutrition choices, or they're not stretching as much as they should, or 
they're having shoulder issues and there's just a lot. Um, and so I get to be kind of an advocate now, both in the workplace and in the gym. Um, but an understanding from both of those components of life that I'm really appreciative I have now. So, uh, what's the plan going forward, um, through this next year, uh, looking into next season? Um, I wish I could paint that picture for you really clearly. Um, (laughs) you know, I kind of alluded to it, not directly, but I was saying how, what I'm doing right now is just not conducive to some of the goals. I also said that I have, um, I'm, I'm not willing to make any big changes, but some of those changes may be made for me. So, um, the company that I work for is going through a sale, um, which has opened up the door for me to potentially, um, I don't know what that looks like exactly yet, but I'm thinking through things like, um, consulting so that I can have a little bit more flexibility and freedom while still contributing to the business at a really high strategic level. Um, so maybe doing that as the acquisition happens and and that transfers over. Um, so I don't know, we're going to see the job is the the first priority. Um, and I'm still training hard just because I, I do still have athletic goals and honestly, this time of year, um, you just have to love what you do to be training hard day in and day out, right? Because not qualifying for the games this year, my season is a long way off. Um, but I, I almost enjoy training more than I do competing. So the next year, um, we're going to continue to plug some holes. Um, I think I may get back to my running roots a little bit more. Um, I was running just, is cool again. I don't know if you heard. Right. But, uh, you know, I shied away from it for a while just to try to get stronger. Um, and now I feel like I have enough knowledge and enough guidance and, and outside help to stay um, continuing to get strong and, and stay strong, but also go back to some of that running that I love. You know, as someone as, uh, as busy as you and a day is packed in, you know, how how much of an advantage is it to have a team, you know, like power and grace, someone out there who, who's working on this other stuff for you, right? Like when you get to the gym, you have, you don't have to walk, walk in and, and go to a whiteboard with an, you know, a dry erase and start thinking about what you have to do that day. Right. Um, it's huge. And I underestimated the impact that would have on my training for too long. So you're, you're exactly right. That's the benefit. You, I get to walk into the gym and someone much smarter than me has already thought through um, what I need to tackle and has put together cycles and progressions and um, is willing to review things. Uh, that's, that's the other benefit, I would say. So often um, in training, you know, without being coached, I would video my, my movements or workouts and I still do that, but now I can do that and know, and I don't have to check it while I'm training. I can just save it and send it to my coach after, and we can talk about it. So that's one benefit. Um, and honestly, just having a different perspective, um, you always know yourself best as an athlete. Um, but for instance, this year was my first year going through the open and regionals with some sort of guidance. So I have my own perspective and I like to watch those things in a, in a, in a vacuum. Like I don't want anyone else's opinion. I want to process the entire workout, what that's going to look like, what I think it's going to feel like first form my own opinions and then talk to other humans about it. Um, so I still did that, but then this year I had the opportunity to be able to chat with, with Spencer and Phil and, and get their, um, take on it. And that was really beneficial as well. I felt 
way more prepared going into, into regionals for sure. Um, and I felt like I had, um, I felt like I was delivering for more than just myself. Um, you know, you do feel like you're, other people have invested in you and you want to deliver for them as well. Isn't talking to Phil about working out just the best thing ever? <laughs> I think talking to anyone about working out is the best I feel like thing. when I talk to Phil about working out, it's like I'm talking to this grand professor of working <laughs> out. And like he just like he it's like he's so methodical about it and and dropping knowledge bombs. It's just like it's like I want to be like a little kid and sit Indian style in front of him while he's talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe you should ask him to do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know, he knows any time that we're going to be around him, then I'm going to uh, pester him until he leaves. So good, but he also knows that I'll work out with him. So uh, the rest of the Power and Grace team has probably smartly avoids that. While I, I'm like, yeah, let's do whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's been great having you on. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, clearly, you're a busy person, so um, we great. really appreciate it having on. Um, next time you swing through the old hood of Dallas. You got to come in. We'll do it in person next time. We'll do. That sounds great. All right. Have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, If you like what we're doing, again, subscribe. Give us five stars on iTunes or make sure you share whichever platform you're listening to, Google, Stitcher, even through our website. Um, let us know what you think. If you got any ideas, you want to hear something, we've had some good ones come in, some good Q&A stuff. So at Power and Grace Performance, any of the social media platforms, that'll get back to me, and we'll see you next time.